We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. Mark Reardon. The heart of America is not government. The center of America is not Washington, D.C. The center of America is the neighborhoods where 330 million Americans are raising their kids and trying to put food on the table and trying to love their neighbors. Mark Reardon. There's nothing worse than a reckless jackass who thinks he's smarter than everybody else. I am the smartest man alive! The Mark Reardon Show is on now. Well, that was like a fast weekend, right? It, it seems like it just zipped by. Yes. So, there's a weird dynamic in my mind. I said this to Abby earlier. Hi, Abby. By the way, she's here filling in for Fred. Hello. Abby's always here, but then she kind of steps up and she fills Fred's role. You know, when he's not here, he's still in Miami uh, playing Miami Vice. What was I going to say? Oh, it, it, at the same time, I don't know if you, you can relate with this, that two things are true. It seems like last Wednesday, when we last gathered here on the radio together, Uh it feels like it was a long time ago, right? On the other hand, the weekend just went by, boom, like that. That is 100% accurate, Mark. Why does that happen? I I don't don't know. I do not know. It's weird psychology, though, isn't it? Did you have a nice weekend? Yes, it was great. And yours? Yeah, you know, it was pretty good. We, uh, I had my, my kids in town. I did have one one thing there that's confusing, but I just said, you know, as I get older, Sue, I decide just to accept the fact that I'm a terrible parent and just, you know, roll with things. Oh, because, dear. yeah, it, it's, it's, well, here, I'll tell you the one thing that did happen. Did you get out for Black Friday? Did you do anything for Black no, Friday? No, I'm not a Black Friday shopper. I'm a Cyber Monday. Well, the other thing about the Black Friday thing is that in, in my mind, I have a couple examples here. So, for whatever reason, this was dumb, but I was doing this for my daughter because the other kids were in town with the girlfriends like my boys they're right. 23 and 26 my daughter has gotten into the uh, the lego stuff and in my world legos are just a couple of different things that you snap oh, together and no. you build whatever you know you're going to build but no not yeah. in this era yeah. in this era Abby, have you gotten into Legos? I never was a Lego kid. They kind of hurt my fingers. So they have all like these yeah. very now. Kiss. This is where I'm going to, uh, you know, admit to mm-hmm. some ignorance mm-hmm. here because I remember when that show came on a few years ago, Lego Masters. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what in the hell are they oh, talking about? The kids. But it is. It's you know. So she has this interest, and by the way, she's pretty good at it. So here I am. You got Santa coming in a few weeks, Sue. Uh, I yes, you do. I mean, I if you're not, write that if down. you're not on the naughty list. But she's putting these Lego things together, and she did one. We had a friend that came in from Columbia, and they did one on Wednesday night. And then uh, she, she didn't have anything to do when her brothers were in town. So I'm like, let's go. And Becky's like, yeah, they're half off. 
Well, we get there about 10 o'clock on Friday morning, which is dumb to go out on Black Friday anyway. This is over at Graboid Bluffs. Where were you? Okay. Graboid Bluffs. It was getting crowded. It wasn't too bad at that point. You know, here's the other thing that's interesting. It's always a follow the leader. Uh, we go in there. I'll tell you what happened at the end in a second. 50% off. Yeah, if you were there at like 7.03 or something like that, there's nothing, left. Uh-uh. there's nothing left. And the other thing here, look at this. I got this story where people were actually taking the placards. There was a website that went out and did this. And you know where it said Black Friday deals, TV, Samsung, you know, 80, yeah, $429. Whatever. Well, so if you pull the Black Friday placard out of the little thing, it says the same price behind it. It <gasps> just says sale. No. Look, yeah, look. Oh, my God. It says sale. So they basically, they're charging the same prices the day before and the day after Black Friday. That's hilarious. But they're making you, and I, there's really nothing no, you can't illegal do anything. about right. that, right? right? It's the whole weekend, I guess. Yeah. Wow. So, but we go in there, and then I get the overpriced Lego thing because I, I feel like, well, if I don't get the overpriced Lego thing, she's not going to have things to do. So then as we're checking out, this is the thing where it gets to be follow the leader. People always do this when you have two turn lanes, too. They only go in one turn lane. I don't know what's wrong with you. But in this case, everyone wanted to go out with, like, a real checker. They didn't want to do the automated checker. So I'm passing by. I must have passed by 30 people. Oh, we got gosh. We have one thing, actually two things. I think I picked up a little pair of sweatpants for her, And we zipped. You know, I felt a little guilty passing everyone. I wasn't passing them to go in their lane, but still. And then we get right up there. So I don't know why people want to wait in lines. It's not that hard to zap your stuff and I don't know. to pay for it. I get it if you have like a whole grocery cart of stuff. For and sure. There's vegetables and all the things you got to weigh and all that kind of stuff. So, um, well, I'm lazy oh, and go yeah. to this. I didn't get to, to my point lines. about my idiot son, though. I got to make mm. the point about the idiot son. So he comes, you know, the, and in all seriousness, I think it's a kid who has suffered a little bit um, because of COVID, you know, and just the aftermath, the way that he was getting into the job market was right around that time. So, you know, I, I have some empathy for, for kids, in particular my son, but he's. And unfortunately, he may get this from me. Not the most financially responsible, right? May owe his dad a little money, right? Uh-huh. Okay. And um, is subsidized by his father just because his father, you know, thought he was going to help 50 bucks on his car payment every month. So Yeah. Nothing? Well, wait, wait. He goes out on Friday, Black Friday. It's Black Friday, so you got to get a deal, right? He buys like a PlayStation thing. Oh. And uh. I, I, I'm like... So what do you do there? Because you, you don't have wanna... a little conversation. That's what you do. You do you think right? I did that though? No, you. Didn't. I didn't, and here's why. Now again, going to fess up to being a bad parent here. Going to have to have this conversation. But I'm sitting there in the midst of a holiday. Everyone's having a good time. Am I going to crash the party and and be angry, which I wanted to be? I just I gave up, Sue. I'm saying uncle so many times. I do this with the eight year old too. I just give up. It makes me a bad parent. I understand that. We'll, well have that conversation. Could, but it's exhausting. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't want to blow up the I, – I sincerely did not want to blow up the whole weekend because then it gets uncomfortable. You don't have to do it then. I think you can probably do it later. Well, I'm going to do it later. Yeah. yeah it's it's going to happen. Fine. It's just a matter of I, I had to tell myself, you know what? We're not going to do some of these things this weekend. So I didn't do that, and I kind of got through it. The other thing that was weird, I don't even know if you could relate to this, but I think was Thursday kind of a decent day? Weather wise, I think yes, Thursday it was, was okay. Great. That yeah, was, was like sunny. Yeah. yeah. So it I believe really it was nice. on Thursday. Wait, I got to do this because um, since I'm going to talk about this, we better. Yeah. Oh, All right, here we go. It's time oh, yeah. for insect news. I don't know if it's the same damn fly, but a fly got in on Thursday, I think, and mm-hmm. you know, I, 
it's a rumor because I've looked this up, or it's a myth that like a fly only lives for 24 hours. That that's not true. They live longer. Who than said that. they only live for 20? 20- I think people have said that they oh. only live limited have time, they? and I don't think they live very long. But I, it's more well, than well, just a couple of days, right? Yeah. So there was a fly that that got into the house on on Thursday, and even this morning. I was still seeing that damn fly. Now, I have cats. You would think the cats would take it out of the air. And can I verify that it's the same fly? I cannot. But I can tell you that there's been a fly flying around, and it's just driving me crazy. The life expectancy of a fly, according to the Internet, which never lies, is 15 to 30 days. Right, but you would think... Well, I mean, if it was outside, it probably wouldn't have very Flies much life. Flies dwelling in warm homes and laboratories develop faster and live longer. There you go. Ah. And we're probably giving it all kind of food source and stuff like that, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'll report back on that fly tomorrow, Sue, and I'll let you know how that's Please going. Please do. But that was even you know there was something symbolic about the fly. Maybe the fly was trying to tell me, tell your son that he did something really stupid, right? Yeah. <sighs> Unbelievable. All right, here we go. Uh, Abby's put a fantastic show together. Fred, as I mentioned, is still in Miami. He will be back on uh, Wednesday. He was sending some pretty cool pictures today because he's down in Jupiter. Yeah, that was nice. He sent us a nice shot of the of, Cardinals what is it? Uh, the, what's spring it training facility. Is it Dean? Roger, Roger Dean, Dean Stadium. Yes. Now, he said it was closed, but he was still able to take some pictures and to walk around. We do have some news from the Cardinals today that we're anticipating. I think there's a news conference set for 4.30. Sonny Gray, who has been um, <clears throat> well, he was with the Reds, he was with the Twins, he's been on the Yankees. Pretty good uh, pitcher, starting pitcher, second in the Cy Young Award voting, Sue. Oh, that's impressive. In the American League. Uh, but he's 34 years old, you know, so we're not exactly bringing in the young chickens to the Cardinals pitching <laughs> well, staff. But look, no. they're putting some things together. I think uh, Bernie Mickles had a great column ripping on people that were ripping on the Kyle Gibson signing because, you know, you didn't sign that guy to be your number one starter. And in all candor, Sonny Gray probably isn't a number one either. He's like a number three. So we still need a little help, but I don't think they're done here. And there could be some trades. We're going to hear more about that. We'll have Kusumano on at 445. Uh, Daniel Alpert's coming up here this afternoon. There's some weird things happening in the housing market. And he wrote um, a piece that was in the New York Times. He's with Westwood Capital Investment. He basically says the Fed has really screwed up the housing market. So we're going to talk about that. We'll have Sue's News in the next hour. Our friend Charles Lipson from the University of Chicago will be here in the 4 o'clock hour. And then I'm very much looking forward to our Emmett Tyrell, who is the founder and the publisher of The American Spectator. Probably, arguably, one of the biggest conservative voices in the country for decades. I've never spoken with him, to my knowledge. And, you know, that's rather unusual because most of the big conservative names I've interviewed over the years around on the show. He's got a book out called How Do We Get Here? How Do We Get Out of Here? A Half Century of Laughter and Mayhem at The American Spectator. I mean, his... um, the history that he has with political candidates, everyone from Bobby Kennedy to Donald Trump, is really fascinating. So that's coming up here in the 5 o'clock hour. Matt Pauley from the X side and the Cardinals Radio Network is going to join us to kind of wrap up what happened with um, Sonny Gray and that announcement from a little later this afternoon. I wanted to get this story in here before we took a break about this professor from USC. And I had this story last week, and now he's done a podcast, and he's told the story just a little bit. And some of these things, you just kind of, your brain hurts when you think about the implications of what happened here and why this guy is now banned from his classroom. So he's at USC, and his name is John Strauss. Now, there's an updated story even from the L.A. Times about this this morning. Maybe it was in yesterday in the Sunday paper. Until recently, USC professor John Strauss 
was known mostly for his research on the economics of developing countries with decades of fieldwork in Indonesia and China. But that all changed November 9th when Strauss stopped before students staging a walkout and a protest calling for a ceasefire in the Gaza Strip and holding a memorial to thousands of Palestinians. He's an economics professor. He, um, he interacted with the students, and he said, Hamas are murderers. That's all they are. Everyone should be killed. I hope they are all killed. Now, when this video went viral, they clipped the Hamas part out of there. So it oh, sounded no. like what he was saying was everybody should be killed who's Palestinian. So he describes, he went on a podcast, he, he talked about what happened. It was uh, a big pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas protest. And there was no way around it. So I just walked my way through. So I'm Jewish. I'm very pro-Israel. And when I walked my way through, I kept hearing down with Israel, things like from the river to the sea, which is a code word for saying the destruction of Israel. And so I yelled out, uh, Israel forever, Hamas are murderers. And I went through everybody, went to class, held my class, fine. Class ended but early, um, at three o'clock, I was walking back to uh, Caprillion, and almost all the protesters had gone. There were a small number left there. There were also some Jewish students there. I stopped and spoke to the Jewish students just about this and that. Most of the people were seated down on the stone bench by Tommy Trojan, and one of them, a woman, yelled out, shame on you, Professor Strauss, shame on you. And I immediately yelled back, no, shame on you. You were yeah. ignorant about Hamas. Hamas are murderers. That's all they are. They should all die, every one of them. It, I don't even know why that's controversial or debatable. What happened is, is that and this happened very quickly. You know, so many things in this day and age, and you can go back to Ferguson with Mike Brown, the way that social media affects these stories. Oh, and this sure. is another one. So right away, this thing goes nuts. And it's like there's one Instagram post that had millions of users that were claiming that he told the students, I hope you get killed. So within a day of this happening, the associate dean of his economics department told him that he was on paid administrative leave, barred from campus and that he will no longer teach his undergraduates this semester. Within a week, there was a petition demanding that they fire him for his racist, xenophobic behavior. So he, he actually said he thought that terrorists, people who killed women and children, beheaded them, celebrated, called mom and dad to say, I killed a Jew. He, he condemned those people, and he's put on administrative leave from his department. That's the world that we live in. So here he's talking about the aftermath here. They should all die. Every one of them referred, of course, to Hamas. Then that later was changed in the video that was released publicly that was heavily doctored to Palestinians should be murdered. And that's not what I said at all. Videos that were taken by uh, Jewish students there, they showed the truth. So what was put out on the web was just false. When I got home, I got some emails from some Jewish student reporters saying that local pro-Palestinian groups had put on the web this false narrative in which I'm supposedly saying kill all Palestinians. So what they did was is they trimmed it, you know, and this is what happens, just a few seconds, and all he says is everyone should be killed. Which I never said, and that was a heavily doctored and incorrect uh, video. And they, they, they just told me that to give me a heads up. 
So I didn't do anything. I went to, to bed and then the following morning, Friday, um, I started getting emails, very, very, very nasty emails. So one of the people involved here, Sue, is Sean King, who's just a big rabble rouser out there yep. and a piece of human debris. He's he's someone who stirred up a lot of stuff in the aftermath of uh, Ferguson. So here's what one student group posted on Instagram. This Zionist econ professor purposefully stepped on the list of martyrs before our march and <laughs> martyrs and came by again after and said everyone should be killed. Again, not true. Sean King's post said this guy threatened those students and said, I hope you get killed and I hope they all are killed during a campus rally. So completely misrepresenting it. That post in and of itself has been viewed more than 3.2 million times. And then Friday afternoon, Professor William Deverell from the college, associate dean from the college, phoned me to tell me that the provost had put me on administrative leave with full pay for the rest of the semester and that I would be allowed to teach on Zoom my PhD class, but not my undergraduate class. Deverell told me today that the provost has changed his mind, and I will be able to teach my undergraduate class remotely. So some of this has changed, which is good, but he's still not let back on campus. He's banned from his classroom because of that. This should be... Okay, let's look at the video. Well, he didn't say that. It was edited, misrepresented. Nothing's going to happen to the professor. Freedom of speech. But that's not what's happening. It is not happening at all of these campuses and universities. It's disgusting. Wow. We'll continue to talk about it. That might be one of our audio cuts of the day as well coming up. Cardinals are... We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Uh, holding a news conference in the next hour to announce the signing of Sonny Gray to the pitching staff. Kusumano's going to have the latest on that coming up at 5, I'm sorry, 445. And then Matt Pauley from the Cardinals Radio Network. A little more details on that. Maybe uh, track where the team is going. By the way, how about Mizzou over the weekend? They get another victory. It wasn't even close. They stopped Arkansas on Friday. Wow. They're 10-2. and two. They're the ninth-ranked team in the country. They'll get the, one of the coveted New Year's Six Bowls, like the Cotton Bowl or one That's of those. That's exciting. It is exciting. And 
They haven't had a record like this since 2014. Um, let's make you feel worse about things, though. That, that's some good news. I read a piece last week. You know, I, I kind of and, – and so you, you dabble with real estate in, in your life, but the housing market, you would admit, is very strange right now, right? Oh, it's a tough one. Yeah, it is. Uh, that's probably an understatement. And um, Daniel Alpert is with us. He's the managing partner of a company called the Westwood Capital Investment Bank, and he wrote a piece that caught my attention in the New York Times about the Fed, and it was entitled, The Fed Has Put Our Housing Market in Jeopardy. Some of this gets a little complicated. A talk radio host, not very um, experienced in this language, so I'm going to have Daniel explain some of this to us this afternoon. Daniel Alpert, how are you? Welcome to 97.1 FM Talk in St. Louis. Yeah, it's a great thing to bring an economist on a talk radio show and expect them to explain things. Yeah, no, that's not what I do. I'll tell you that right now, unfortunately. But look, if we're homeowners, if there's all kinds of things that are happening right now in this country that I kind of keep an eye on. And I see there's, um, for example, all-time high credit card debt, even though Black Friday sales were tremendous. People don't have any money, but they put more on the credit cards. And then you have a housing market where I've said, Daniel, that a lot of people, you get into a little trouble, you need some cash, you can refinance. Well, that's not happening right now. And your concern is a little bit greater than that, right? Because you have a, a market right now where it's also, and I want you to explain this part, undermining the war against inflation, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the, the, when you go through the whole pandemic history and you, you, you know, sort of step back a little bit and you say, well, gee, what went right, what went wrong? Well, you know, what went right is the government stepped in and spent a lot of money and, and supported our households and our businesses. And if you remember, we had a huge home buying boom uh, just a couple of years ago. Everybody went and bought everything they could find. Um and that seemed to, to, to go well, but uh, we had an enormous amount of cash out there that was chasing uh, goods that were in shortage. We had shortage, shortage of supply of goods and all sorts of, of other things, and uh, that created inflation. Uh, so the Fed goes out and decides they're going to fight inflation. The way they're going to do that is they're going to hike rates very, very quickly. And uh, what the Fed did is they went out and increased interest rates what they call the policy rate, which is just the overnight rate, the only one they really control. Um, and that succeeded in pushing up um, all rates across the, the, the curve, meaning that uh, if you increase the overnight rate a lot uh, enough, people will say, okay, I'll give you my money overnight, and they won't buy long-term bonds. So that forces interest rates on long-term bonds to go higher as well. Well, that's what determines what, what mortgage rates are set at. Um, so suddenly you had this huge spike in mortgage rates, you know, back in, uh, you know, during the pandemic period, mortgages were, you know, 30 year mortgages could be had at, uh, 2.75%. Right, right. Um, and, and you remember that. And, and, you know, recently they, they, they peaked at 8%. They're a little bit lower now because uh, rates have started to abate, but, um, you, you, uh, you had a, a dramatic, dramatic pickup, 18 months and woof, through the roof. Um, suddenly you have all these people out there, in addition to the people who refinanced back in 2016 when rates, mortgage rates were at 3.4%, um, you know, you take, take those two groups, it's basically everyone who would refinance in those, at those low rates. Yeah, I think that's true. And you say to, yeah, and you say to those people, hey, uh, you know, would you like to move? Would you like to buy a house, trade up, move to a different part of the country? And they look and they say, you know what, nope. I can't afford to do that. That's right. I can't sell my house. Uh, and uh, and so what that did is it cut back on supply of homes for sale. And housing is just like anything else. It's a matter of supply and demand. Uh, and so if you expect 
homes to drop in price from raising interest rates, which is typically what happens, right? You raise the interest rates on mortgages and home prices fall, which is what the Fed wanted. They wanted rents to fall and rents and home prices are corollaries. Um, so the Fed sat there and said, we're going to raise interest rates. We expect it to happen the same way it's always happened before. Um, and, uh, and we expect uh, rents to go down and inflation to go down. Well, right now, rents are pretty much driving the only remaining inflation we have left. Um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, that's not going to go away because there's no supply of homes available for sale in the market. Uh, and, and, you know, without that, you can't actually clear the market and prices can't adjust. And so that's, that's where, you know, you call those, economists call those unintended consequences, fancy word. Uh, I mean, um, oops, they didn't think through it well enough. But then the way that this affects the rest of the economy is if you're not moving, you're not buying new couches. If you don't right. have money because the you know the rates are higher, if you can't pull equity out, or if your credit card rates are high, that 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 really does affect you know the rest of the economy. Now, having said that, it seems like people are still spending. So I I don't know where this takes us, but there are some warning signs. It seems like economists have backed off any talk of a recession, but there's strange undercurrents, aren't there? Daniel, there are very strange undercurrents. I mean, you look at the amount of cash that was handed to households, uh, both as supplements, meaning uh, you know you, you don't have a job, so we're going to give you unemployment insurance, or stimulus. Those checks, remember, we all got uh, during the during the pandemic. All that cash that was handed to, to households. Add to that uh, the emergency funding that was sent to businesses. Remember the PPP program. Um, and you're talking trillions of dollars being mainlined into the, into the economy. So that was great. The economy didn't collapse as a result. Uh, the problem is, of course, that was done at a point where we had very, very little stuff to buy. Now, during the lockdowns, that was okay. Nobody could buy anything anyway. Uh, but when that came off, everybody ran out there and started spending money willy-nilly. Uh, the problem, of course, today is that people have gotten in the habit of buying anything they see. And when the cash, what's called the excess savings that they had amassed, started to run out, they turned to their credit cards. Um, and, you know, spending is habit forming. Uh, you get in the, in the habit of, of, say, of, of uh, going on Amazon and, and clicking and saying, oh, I want that too. Uh, you, you suddenly get to the, to the point where you've been using cash that, that was in your account and now your account's drawn down. You say, Hey, I've got an open credit line. I'll go and I'll use my credit cards and I'll keep going. Uh, now we're getting to the point where, what I'll call the, the tilt point. If you think in pinball terms, um, where, where we're going to start maxing out credit lines and that's going to see a drop in retail spending. We're already there. We're already seeing very softening retail spending. It's anyone's guess what this Christmas season is going to yield. Uh, in terms of retail spending and, um, you know, whether or not you're in the recession camp or you believe that this economy is going to chug along, given the fact that we've got extremely low unemployment, uh, you know, you've got, you know, unemployment at, at, at historically low levels. Uh, people are working and, um, for now. Uh, it doesn't look like we're going to have a recession. Um, and if we do, even in the first half of next year, it's going to be relatively soft. Uh, relative to, uh, you know, certainly the Great Recession of 2008, 2007, um, you know, that, that uh, you know, it, 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 we're still going to see 
uh, consumer spending uh, start to decline. There's just no more money left. Yeah. Um, the the only the only cohort really that's left to spend are the well-to-do, and you know, they just don't they they don't spend a lot relative to their incomes. Daniel Alpert is here. He is a senior fellow and adjunct professor at Cornell's Law School, but also the managing partner of Westwood Capital. Let me just take you, before I let you go, back to the housing market a little bit. So the numbers are the estimate anywhere from, I've heard, 3.8 million to maybe 6 million, where you have um, you know, a shortage of how to, uh, starter homes, if you will, or housing units, which is, right. I think, an all-time right. high. But let's say that the, um, play along here a little bit, Daniel, with me. Let's say the Fed eases up on the borrowing costs. You know, the, the rates start to drop. Maybe they're doing that right now. But that's going to lead to more demand. Maybe get the prices back up. It's great for homeowners who want to sell and some people that are going to cash out. But this is not going to ease up, right? This is going to be a very confusing market for a while, I would anticipate. You know, you, you actually raise a really good point because the, the problem with, with the cost of money and the problem with the supply of existing loans which is what we've got right now. We've got uh, uh, a historically low level of existing homes for sale. Um, and uh, is, is exacerbated by the fact that we've got very, very low levels of home production relative to demand. And that is a carryover, believe it or not, of uh, the mortgage and housing collapse during the Great Recession, 2007, 2008. Um, so that, that, that occurred uh, it, it caused uh, uh, home builders to be extraordinarily uh, uh, careful in what they built. Uh, during the period that followed that, we had a fairly hefty bubble in land prices, which made land difficult to get uh, for home building. And then on top of that, I think you've probably been following the, the old NIMBY story, you know, not in my backyard. Yeah. Nobody wants to grant zoning. Uh, to, to housing in areas where housing actually should be being built. you got to build housing where there are jobs. Building it out in the prairie somewhere doesn't make any sense. So you got to build housing where there are jobs. And, of course, cities and towns, uh, they, they, they have not wanted uh, to build in those areas. Um, and so, um, you know, you've got all that issue uh, that has basically served as the bedrock for the problem that we have added to it, which was, dramatically high interest rates. And it's not just uh, the fact that interest rates are high. Obviously, they've been higher historically. In 1980, they went to 20% on the 10-year bond. Uh, but the, 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 the fact is they went up so fast, uh, faster than they've ever gone up before in history on a percentage basis. The interest rates, the, the policy rate, the Fed's policy rate went up, believe it or not, 2,200 percent in 18 months. Crazy! It was nuts the way they went up. So then, fi final question here. Then, what, what do we do about all this? <laughs> you talk a little bit about what happened in 2008 with quantitative uh, quantitative easing, where the Fed bought a bunch of Treasury bonds and the rates came down. But it doesn't seem like there's an easy fix here. And I don't even know if a recommendation is going to be taken. But what do you think should happen, Daniel? Yeah, what I, what I suggested in the piece is the other thing the Fed did is something called quantitative tightening, where they stopped buying, uh, they had been buying treasury bonds and mortgage-backed bonds in order to keep interest rates low on those. Uh, they stopped buying them, and they allowed their portfolio to start to run off. Um, and what happened immediately is that the spread between uh, the cost of the interest rate on treasury bond and the interest rate on a mortgage 
widened enormously, almost by a full percentage point. Um, and so as a result, um, it made the mortgage market even worse. One of my suggestions was that the Fed reverse its policy and go back and buy some mortgage bonds until those spreads normalize. Um, I don't expect them to actually do that um, because it's, it really amounts to sort of pressing the, the gas and, and, and the brake at the same time. Um, but uh, and so they will object to it on that front. But at the end of the day, um, the economy is, you know, unfortunately uh, going to self-correct by softening. Uh, it may result in some people being thrown out of work, which in my view is an unfortunate, unnecessary, unnecessary situation, um, given how strong the economy is today. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, the housing problem uh, that we have is particularly annoying, given the fact that um, when you actually take the CPI, uh, Consumer Price Index, every month, right now, pretty much the only thing that's left in terms of inflation is housing. Yep. Uh, inflation has come down enormously, uh, notwithstanding the fact that prices went higher uh, and, and remain higher uh, for many things. The rate of growth for pretty much everything except housing has dissipated. You know, I love this line uh, in in the New York Times piece. You said that I concede what I'm describing is a bit of a bit of monetary um, heresy because, to my knowledge, the Fed has never blatantly tapped the gas while it's pumping the brakes. Yes, it's weird, but was having the world's economy locked down for months and all of us walking around wearing masks for years not weird? Uh, yes, it was, and that is completely understood. Daniel, great stuff here. You even made it so I could understand it, which is very helpful, and I think the audience did as well. And yeah. you have a great week. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care now. Sue always had a fascination with Ireland. Did you really? I've never been there. Have you ever been to Ireland? I have not. Yeah, I don't know that I ever want to go after what I'm hearing about what's happening in Ireland. You know, a lot of these countries had really draconian lockdowns during COVID. Um, Australia is one that really jumps out. New Zealand as well. But Ireland did that as well. Now, and I I may have talked about this in the past. They've written about it over at hotair.com. But they are... um, they're introducing some things in Ireland which uh, deal with speech. Now, they don't have freedom of speech like we do, you know, embedded in the Constitution. But they have written a bill that would, um, and it's been debated for the last couple of months, it's, it's law and hate speech, all right? So the original draft of what they're trying to get through right now was actually published about a year ago, but now it's finally making its way through, you know, the system in Ireland. Um the proposed law oh, no. will make it an offense to deny or trivialize genocide. It would also um, create laws to deal with hate crimes and expand the characteristics given special protection. These will include, this will come as no surprise, gender, along with gender identity and expression and disability. So essentially, if you say something, let's say that you put something up on Twitter or a meme. And by the way, these are not extreme examples. They've actually gone to people's homes in the UK. Seriously? And, oh, yeah. Because of something that they have said oh, online on. that they have deemed inappropriate or a hate crime. So the bill includes 10 protected characteristics, including race, religion, gender, and disability. There was um, an amendment that added immigration status as a protected characteristic. Now, a little background here on immigration status. And this was something I think that was relatively undercovered you know, over the weekend, they had some protests that happened in Dublin. You know, tens of thousands of people came out because there was um, 
an immigrant who had been in the country for quite some time, I think 10 years, that went on like a stabbing spree and oh. stabbed a bunch of kids the other day. Oh, my gosh. So people came out and they protested that. Now, it was a, a five-year-old girl who was injured. And they're concerned not about the kids that were stabbed in Ireland. They're concerned that the people who protested might have been xenophobic against Palestinians. Right? I don't care about the violence against the five-year-old. They're just worried about the feelings that you're going to hurt. Conor McGregor went on um, the axe and said, I do not condone last night's riots. I do not condone any attacks on our first responders. I do not condone looting. Last night's scenes achieved nothing toward fixing the issues. I do understand frustrations over and I do understand a move must be made to ensure the change we need is ushered in and fast I'm in the process of arranging believe me I'm way more tactical and have a backing there will be change in Ireland now he's talking about some of the things that are happening related to the immigrants and the violence right and this is an actual senator in Ireland Pauline O'Reilly talking about the hate speech bill saying you know what we're just trying to help everyone out when you think about it all law all legislation is about the restriction of freedom. That's exactly what we're doing here, is we are restricting freedom, but we're doing it for the common good. You will see throughout our constitution, yes, you have rights, but they are restricted for the common good. Everything needs to be balanced. And if your views on other people's identities go to make their lives unsafe, here it is. insecure, uh -huh and cause them such deep discomfort that they cannot live in peace, uh -huh. then I believe that it is our job as legislators to restrict those freedoms for the common good. Sue, it's for the children. It's for the common good. You know what else is for the common good? Uh. Um, wearing masks for months and months and months and all that stupid nonsense no. that we now know is a complete waste of time. Good thing can come from this. No, no good thing can I can't even believe that there are people that think, now again, you, you want to have, uh, let's go back to our conversation on Wednesday, which was a Hall of Fame interview with Azra Nomani, who absolutely teed off on this nonsense that Muslim people in this country um, aren't happy to be here and they kiss the ground that they're walking on because of the freedoms that they have. You know, you think about this, even even compare it to you can go outside of the Middle East. Let's go to the UK. Let's go to Ireland. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that they're doing in in the name of the victim class, that's that's what this is all about. You have the victim class out there and the trans activists and the gender activists in particular. I'd like to hire their PR firms for anything that I want to get the word out for, because with the smallest proportion of the population and with the opinion on the, those issues that doesn't match up at all with the rest of society. I mean, it's not even close. It's like a 90-10 issue. How many of those issues do we have? But they still get all that press, and they have the legacy media on their side. I did think that was interesting. We'll track that and what happens in Ireland. Because, you know, Conor McGregor and some of these other people, they're not on the side of this, so there's going to be a little bit of a battle. And I don't know how close they are to perhaps passing that, but let's keep an eye on that. We'll take a break here for the top of the hour. I do have a couple of things I want to get to before Sue's News, including crutching chips and doing something about loud crunching. I'll explain that, oh, Sue. No. I know that you want to hear about that. Charles Lipson in the next hour as well. Hang in there. Get more at 971talk.com T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.